think as humans we're we're habitual by nature to a certain degree, and particularly when we're in a fairly intimidating and uh, you know, an intense environment like a health club. Changing your routine for the person who maybe doesn't have the education or know how to make that happen would be, it's difficult. You're listening to the Fitness Industry Podcast, powered by Australian Fitness Network. For articles, resources and inspiration to grow your fitness business and career, go to fitnessnetwork.com.au, where you can also find a huge range of online and face-to-face courses, accredited for CECs and other continuing education points, with up to a massive 40% discount for members of Australian Fitness Network. In this episode, Mick Cunico, Fitness First's National Training Manager, talks training trends, the return to traditional free weights workouts, and building a base of strength with Network's Ryan Hogan. I'm lucky enough to be here with... uh Bit of an industry legend, shall we say? <laughs> Too young to be a legend. <laughs> but also uh, a friend of mine, or someone I consider to be a friend, uh, Mick Cunico, who is currently the head of fitness for Fitness First. Have I got that right? Uh, technically, the title is National Fitness Manager, but it's it's the same sort of thing. I mean, it's semantics. Okay, we'll put that the National Fitness Manager for Fitness First. Yeah. It sounds better yeah. than Head of Fitness anyway. <laughs> and, you know, we're, we're, we're here today to talk uh, about all things training, I think. I think that's the angle that the episode's going to take today. So, you know, Mick, I think uh, uh, something that our listeners are probably really interested in, and I'd certainly be interested to find out from you, and you work with a lot of trainers, and you got a lot of clubs in your portfolio. You know, this is big business, mm. and you see things come and go, metro, regional, mm. you know, different states and all that kind of stuff. What are you seeing that's happening out there in the land of, of training? What's, what, what's hot or what's happened over the last five years? Yeah, it's, it's probably a good place to start. I think the, the, the industry has been led by this fairly obvious and significant return to strength training and some would say traditional training methods, I, I think. And when you say traditional, going back even to the more traditional strongman stuff of the early 1900s maybe, Eugene Sandow's and that sort of stuff. But that's been reflected in training trends. Yeah, and CrossFit had a, a big part to play in that I think as well. And that's therefore had a flow-on effect to things like club design. So a fitness first club and obviously I have a bit of experience with that brand so I'll, I'll talk mostly about that. But our club design has shifted in line with those trends because it was clear that one, that's what consumers were after. But two, you could argue it's a better way of training as opposed to, you know, a sedentary piece of pin-loaded equipment or flogging yourself for hours on a, on a steady-state piece of cardio. So the, the undercurrent of hypertrophy and serious strength training has definitely impacted training trends in the last five years. And you can see that when you walk into probably our, our biggest example in our portfolio is the Bond Street Club in, in the Sydney CBD, where historically that had a whole heap of pin-loaded gear and um, you know, your, your, your standard sort of fixed benches and the like. But when we had an opportunity to spend a bit of cash in that club, we put 13 lifting platforms in that club. And that would be unheard of five years ago in a commercial health club in this country. So we're pretty proud of that. And we think we've had a positive impact on, on training trends because it's given members better training options. 
Hmm. And are you seeing, out of curiosity, you know, are you seeing people come in asking for this kind of equipment or is it something that they kind of end up going into because of the relationships they have with trainers or, or, or is that changing? Has it changed? Yeah, I think, I think based on these changes in club design, we're attracting a different type of member. So it's really interesting and I'll, I'll keep using Bond Street as an example. So it has these immense training spaces, like I said, 13 lifting platforms. Now, if you go in there at peak time on a, a Monday, Tuesday morning or lunchtime, those platforms are full. Wow. Which I think to myself, I think, what was everyone doing before they were there? Yeah. So I think there's a bit of both. I think people are attracted to it and they're coming to us. And I think we're also, uh, oh, I'd like to think we're also having a positive impact on, on how people are training. So, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting sort of two-sided uh, story, I'd say. Mm. And what do you think makes it attractive to the, to the end consumer? Like what, what, what is it about lifting or, or you know, that, that, that all of a sudden has seemed to make a bit of a resurgence? Yeah, yeah. It's, the, the, the metrics around lifting are quite easy. Uh, and what I mean by that is it's, it's easy to know whether you're getting better. And while sometimes a scale can be misleading, uh, because we all know that muscle mass is heavier than body fat, it's it's pretty easy to see progress. And actually, from a, a trainer's perspective, it's actually not that hard to get progress in a client either. So for example, if I've got someone that's coming in and they've never really done much strength training, I can get them from A to B fairly quickly because the body will go through the process of adaptation and it will it will deal it will learn how to deal with the the extra load I'm applying to it. So very quickly within a month, two months, three months, I've taken someone from point A to point B and that then reinforces their training habit because they're seeing they're seeing a positive impact. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense really. And 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 what about the flow on into the trainers and 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 what are you seeing from uh, you know, how is this or how is this trend towards to this trend towards traditional you use the word traditional or strength training or lifting how is it affecting trainers and their performance or what they're expected to know mm, yeah yeah look i think it's yeah most trainers are moving with that trend or if they're they're not they're including parts of it and look i'm not going to sit here and say that traditional training methods i.e squat bench and deadlift they're the only movements you need because they're still very sagittal plane dominant, they don't uh, necessarily encourage uh, full range of range of motion in all parts of the body. So there is a need for other things, but in terms of building a base of strength, they're probably the best things the body can do to to build that base of strength based on your training goals. Obviously, is it performance? Is it just general health and wellness, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. But most trainers seem to be on that journey as well. The one curious thing that, that you do see, which I wouldn't say it's a negative thing, but I think it's just something for trainers to be conscious of and be aware of, that the trainer's goal isn't necessarily the client's goal. So with this undercurrent of um, and, and popularity around strength training and improving some of these metrics, you see things through social media where it seems like some trainers are chasing chasing like load-related goals for their clients. You know, you're seeing a lot of things with people doing heavy 1RM, mm. 2RM lifting. And again, it's great for the client to see that progress and it reinforces their training habit. But if that's not – if performing in a true strength sport isn't in their, their goal list or in their realm, 
I think we need to sort of temper that enthusiasm with some caution as well because your traditional trainers who live in that space, so strength training sports, that's all they do and they can manage stress levels and recovery and the like. Your average client or your average member in a health club has stress from all angles, from their work environment, their family, their children perhaps, uh, and all the things that come with, with the things that happen in our day-to-day lives. So it's just, it's just tempering that enthusiasm of let's chase some cool numbers and let's, let's get some big lifts happening, but also let's do it in a safe manner that, that is relevant for the person's goals as well. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. I'm going to loop back a little bit here onto because you you were using your Bond Street Club as a as an interesting kind of case study and example. I live in Sydney as well, and I've been to that club, so I can kind of get I can I can get where you're coming from mm-hmm. and the type of clientele that go there. This would be right up their alley. Yeah. What if we What if we move into a slightly more suburban area? You know, and 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 you know, we'll, we'll stay within Fitness First because that's what we know, and 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 I think our listeners will will know what we're talking about. If we move into a suburban Sydney club, what are you seeing happening out there? Yeah, is it is it very similar? You know, lots of uh, or you lots of lifting and traditional strength, or are we seeing more of a focus on something else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I think that undercurrent is filtering through everywhere. It's probably not as dominant as it is in a CBD location with whichever variation of personality profiling you use, it's reds, it's A's, whatever it might be, which is going to be attracted to that sort of a club. Yeah, of course. You go to Fitness First Willoughby and it's going to be a different type of clientele. Having said that, those people could probably benefit from some of the things that strength training can can give you. So if we think about the Willoughby Club, and many of the listeners won't be aware of it, but it's in a very suburban area, fair to say it's an older demographic. But can the elderly get some benefit from strength training, a female osteoporosis. Uh, we know that muscle mass decreases with age. Um, so absolutely they could. Is it at the same level and extent as our 33-year-old banker at Bond Street? Probably not. But there is still definitely that undercurrent of looking for different ways to train as opposed to what's probably happened from the 10 or 15 years ago where clubs were just a sea of cardio and pin-loaded equipment. There's, there's clearly a shift away from that. I, I think there's no doubt. Mm. Cool. And what about around the psychology of this? So let's t- let's talk about your older demographic who live in Willoughby, which is on Sydney's Lower North Shore. How do you get them to lift? And this might be a very loaded question for you, but mm-hmm. how do you or how do you get them comfortable to walk into one of your clubs, which are are pretty schmick, let's face it, and into an Olympic lifting por- uh, platform to pick up a bar off the ground? It, do you have any insights that our listeners might be interested in? Yeah, and it's a it's a really fair question. I mean. Um... I'd imagine some of the listeners and some of the people that have walked into our clubs, and I know from my own personal experiences in a busy fitness first club, they can be pretty intimidating places. Yeah, totally. Fortunately, we we are a full service club, so we do have the capacity to to employ some some trainers, and they can provide some a, a softer integration into the club, if you like, rather than you know letting my dad, who's sixty eight this year, just jump over onto the uh, platform and, and away he goes with his deadlifts. He's not going to do that anyway, but there is a facility to get him to have a go at that through some of our um, employee mechanisms, which is good. And when we talk about a, a lifting platform, I think a, an industry person jumps to let's get into the snatch and let's away we go with the clean and press, whereas most of our members aren't even going anywhere near that, which is probably good because it's not that relevant for their training goals. But there is something, there is a cool factor, if you like, to just deadlifting on a platform. It, and I'm sure some of the, the listeners would appreciate it. It just feels different. 
you've got some bumper plates, you're on the platform, you've got your own little area there, you're sort of safe and secure. So we've seen, uh, we've seen some people just appreciate that there is a spot where they can, they can do their thing that's sort of a little bit secluded, if you like. And that, that's for some older population, but also that shift with, with females getting into lifting. There's no doubt that, that there's been a pretty seismic shift with, with women in strength training. And some of that's potentially been impacted by you know, the prevalence of social media and seeing things you know, in your face day in and day out strong is the new skinny or sexy and all those sorts of different things. But that's absolutely a, a positive thing for females as well. Hmm. And what about, I, I, I'm obviously kind of going into psychology land here because I'm interested in this. Mm. So if we need to, if we need to veer off, you let me know. <laughs> but what about some, someone, because I, you know, when I go to the gym, I see a lot of people that do the same thing over and over again, right? You know, they might do, they might be wed to a cardio machine or they might be wed to a particular group X class where they're just kind of going through the motions. How do you get them and how do you get them to lift? Mm. How do you get them to get onto their into their little safe Olympic platform or or a little safe lifting platform in the corner and pick up a barbell? Yeah, yeah. And look, that's not that's not an easy process. I mean, I think as humans, we're we're habitual by nature to a certain degree, and particularly when we're in a fairly intimidating and uh, yeah, an intense environment like a health club. Changing your routine for the person who maybe doesn't have the education or know how to make that happen would be it's difficult. And it's, it's one of those things that once someone gets a taste of doing something quite different or trying something a little bit different and they start to feel and see some of the benefits, it then has a positive impact. But it's definitely not, not, an, not an easy thing. And we try to, you know, in our, some of our facilities or most of our facilities, we try to provide sort of even classes on some of our strength training equipment because we know it's not a natural place for, for most people to live. Yeah, so it's – and that, that's – and we're ongoing. We're learning more about that. We're um, trying to get better at making that a more a more safe and, and comfortable place for particularly new members mm-hmm. to um, to enter. Cool. Now let, let, maybe let's shift gears a little bit here and, and go. So, okay, you guys and you personally, I know, and your team and Fitness First have been on this journey of getting into the you know li- taking lifting seriously and strength training. Where could our listeners go to find out a little bit more? Like, what what are some authors that you would recommend or some? Some courses, or so, and and by the way, listeners, we don't get royalties on any of these courses or authors. This is just, you know, I value mixed opinion on this, and I think you might too. Yeah, well, I think, funnily enough, I think uh, Ryan, you and I had a conversation uh, a while ago around, you know, the the new era of Phylex being back in Sydney, and you know, who are the people who are moving and shaking? And I think we had some similar names on the list, and it's great that you got a couple of those guys to Phylex in 2017. So. Having Brett Contreras, Brad Schoenfold, um, and Alan Aragon down here uh, this year is, is, I think, a massive thing for particularly the personal training community because these are the, the leaders in our field, and there's no doubt they're, um, they're, they're cutting edge. You know, Brad and Brett are both doing a lot of research, so forget about all the bro science and, and all the myths and, and things like that, but they're, they're getting to the core of, okay, what actually works? Locally, I know a, a good... A good friend of both Phylex and Fitness First, Tony Bataji, does some some outstanding courses out of his facility, and it's not related to or linked to Fitness First at all. And he's probably the leader locally in in that world, and has been for for some time now. So they're probably a couple of the the guys doing research in that space at the moment. Some personal favourites of of mine, if you like, 
I find Mark Ripto a, a very interesting character. Uh, he's got he's written a book called Starting Strength, which is in its third version, I think. Very opinionated in some areas, but uh, you take some of that with a grain of salt, right? And um, but but I find him his clarity on what he does believe and not believe is refreshing. I'm also a big fan of Pavel Satsulan. I think you um, is how you pronounce it. It's a tricky yeah, I'm not one. sure how you pronounce it. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but some of the concepts. I mean, most people think of him as the kettlebell guy, but his his ability to deconstruct some of the principles around strength training are a leading edge as well. And from what I understand of him, he's a pretty low key kind of a guy, and he probably doesn't get the recognition um, he deserves. But some of his material is is top rate. Uh, and particularly his his take on the the sort of origins of the the true strength training big hitters, if you like, and he looks back at the big lifters from the Soviet eras in the seventies and eighties, cool. where you um you see some of the world records in say Olympic lifting, those records still haven't been surpassed. So the theory was that those athletes of that time were all taking drugs, and therefore. We've got to change the, you know, the, the standings and the records. And, you know, he references the fact that obviously clearly weightlifting is a very clean sport now and no one's taking any of those extra help, even though we know they are. But those lifts from 40 years ago haven't been approached or surpassed. Wow. And so he refers back to some of the, the early Soviet, I guess, research and also anecdotal evidence on, on how to become strong, which I find really interesting as well. Cool. And so, you know, kind of heading towards the end here, what if, if, if some of our guys were listeners, I shouldn't say guys, our listeners were thinking about getting serious about their strength training or getting serious about becoming a specialist in, in this area or thinking that this is all sounding really good to them, what are one or two things that you think they should think about or get started before they dive into it fully? Yeah, I'm going to say probably the hardest thing, particularly for probably males in this environment, is taking a, a humble approach to it. Because unfortunately, when you're in a, a training environment, not unfortunately, but when you're around people who are training seriously and you're in a training environment, your your drive is to try to keep up or compete or be at someone else's level, which is great. You know, having that competitive uh, sort of juice running through your veins is a, is a good thing. But proper lifting and the techniques required and and lifting in a safe manner should you require. The correct movement first right you know the amount of people you see executing movements with poor technique and rounded backs and and all these different things i would think we could minimize that if we focus more on okay let's execute the movement correctly before we start applying load that would definitely be one thing i would consider and if it's something that's new to you you know as trainers and people working in the industry i would think investing time, money in people who have been doing it in the past would be a, a smart move. It's tax deductible if you're in the industry, so there's no dramas there. But it's also a lot easier to learn a technique from scratch than to unlearn and then relearn one. So maybe finding someone who can help them and, and you know hold their hand, if you like, on that path at the start may be very beneficial as well. Cool. And I guess just to finish up, is there anywhere our listeners can contact you or find you? Do you do you where do you live on the interweb? Is yeah. there is there a Mick Cunico public profile or, yeah. or is it all a little bit secret? No, no, it's um yeah, I'm 
I, I think I need to go to some of these sessions at Filex with, um, I think, Amelia, a good friend of both of ours, is doing a session on uh, digital disruption. I probably need to attend that one. I'm definitely not an expert in, in that space, but I'd probably post work-related things on a um, on an Instagram account, and it's just at Michael Cunico, C-U-N-I-C-O, on Instagram, and, and people can find me there. And, yeah, that's probably it. No, I appreciate your time. It's yeah. been, uh, it's been great catching up. And uh, yeah, look forward to doing it again. Absolutely. Take care. Thank you. For a huge range of online courses focusing on program design and PT business development, including the Functional Trainer and Elite Strength Coach specialization courses, fully accredited for CECs and other continuing education points, Go to the Network website and select the Courses tab. And remember, Network members get massive discounts of up to 40% off courses. Go to fitnessnetwork.com.au today to grow your skill set and fitness career.